0: much as I love you, Laura, most of the time we were trying to solve your problems. And you know what? We still are. Not mine or James or Maddie's, yours. You're dead, Laura, but your problems keep hanging around. It's almost like they didn't bury you deep enough.
1: Welcome to Twin Peaks Rewatch for the 11th episode of Twin Peaks, The Man Behind Glass. This is the third episode of the second season.
0: Yes, um, Matt, I was about to immediately ask you stuff, but I guess that I won't. Um, <laughs> I'm Chris Rumo, by the way. Oh, I'm Jake Rodkin. And uh, this, this episode of Twin Peaks, yeah, The Man Behind Glass was directed by Leslie Lincoln Glatter and written by Robert Engels. It first aired October 13th of 1990, and as you said, it was the third episode of season two. It's the 11th episode overall, um, and it's called episode 10. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> before we get too far into this, oh, the who is, sorry, who is the man behind Glass? Is that Harold? Maybe he is, yeah. Is it, is it, Uh, like, Mike behind, like... I I couldn't figure out the the name of that and I felt it must be Harold right because he's kind of he's like protected. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that it
1: is. And he's um, also the most significant new character. Yeah, that is true. I mean not new brand new but so right. we really get to know him for the first time.
0: Previously okay. seen as a hand peeking a a, a right. blind open. Now <laughs> it's it's the the new character. Yeah, I guess he's he is the man behind glass. Um Bro- also,
1: before we get started, I should explain that probably the reason I sound not that great audio-wise is because I'm recording this remotely. I'm in New York City right now with my fiancé, and uh, I'm recording this through head iPhone earbud microphone headset on my laptop while Jake is back in our studio. Yep. So, so you, you,
0: upon- should do, you, you should do the whole episode as Gordon Cole, I think. That would probably be the correct way to do the episode.
1: Twin Peaks 11, The Man Behind
0: Glass. Yes. What do you think about that, Jake? Um, It was fine. I thought it was fine. Okay.
1: So, uh, in this episode, Cooper begins to plot a psychic path to Bob. Audrey is taken hostage by Blackie and fractures widen between Donna and James. That's, the, that's enough of that.
0: That's enough of that. That's all that we yeah, need ever. That's
1: more than enough. Um, that is true. Those are the things that happened. Um, that probably was blown out like crazy. I apologize. Um, so
0: you want to just get right into it? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything at the top of this episode to talk about. And I guess I guess I there's not. I, yeah.
1: I, well, I mean, I mean this, is, this, is, this is a very, felt like kind of a workman-like episode to me.
0: Yeah, it's okay. So I guess the thing to talk about briefly is that is totally true, and for better or worse, um, my tolerance for those episodes is is weakening a little bit as we're now eleven episodes in, uh, yeah. which is a bummer because I know that there's there's a lot of show, but um, like a bunch of things moved forward and there was a bunch of intriguing stuff. But at the same time, when I got to the end of this episode, I thought to myself, "Man, I would I would." probably have actually eaten everything in this episode up had it been like the fifth or sixth episode of the show. But, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But after the stuff that opened the closed season one and opened season two, it's tough to get back into the swing of just like, Oh, this is just going to be a TV show that goes, but, no, uh, but it is. Um, uh, I guess we can just, you want to just, where do you want to start? Because we, last week we tried to split this stuff up and I, I tried to split it up again um, by subject, although there's one subject that takes up basically probably 50% of the episode, which is the investigation sort of starting with Ronette and then going through a bunch of stuff involving both Mike and Bob. And then the other sort of 50% of the episode was either dealing with Audrey being held for ransom at One-Eyed Jacks or they they've added a new leg to the, the love polygon uh, of Donnie and J- or of Donna and James because it is now Donna, James and Maddie from last episode but they also Harold is now introduced into that yeah. sort of
1: okay well let's let's just start with the investigation
0: we'll just start with that and it's yeah. it's large and and uh, mm-hmm. has all of my favorite stuff in the episode i think but all right uh, so as we
1: open uh Ronette is is having some kind of seizure in her hospital bed and uh, they, she's been clearly visited by the killer again. She's got a B in her fingernail, a letter B. Um, right. so, yeah, so at this point, Cooper tells Harry and Albert about the giant, and uh, I feel like this is the first time um, Cooper is, like, directly challenged about his... Sarah actually pointed this out to me. Maybe the first time that... Cooper is directly challenged about his visions or his, his kind of psychic component to the investigation. Is that true?
0: Uh, I think so. I think that it's because yeah, usually people just sort of take it for granted or he's telling someone who's too sort of too taken with Cooper as a person that they just are like, Oh wow. And, but
1: even Albert in the past didn't ever actually call him. Right.
0: But Albert, Albert is in this scene and he's, he's across sort of the first, third of the episode and it is Albert at like his most acerbic and also kind of his most insufferable. I actually like, I've really enjoyed Albert, even though he's been kind of the guy who pokes holes in all of the sort of feel good relationships of the show. But man, I just, I was actually just really tired of him, uh, in this episode, but him being there when Cooper was talking about the giant, yeah, Albert was just like, like rolling his eyes pretty, pretty hardcore. Yeah. Uh, and all of that stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, so they sum this stuff up in the, uh, in the sheriff's department. Uh, I mean, I guess that's, e- that's even true. At that, like what you're saying about Albert, that's even true when they're sort of summing this up in the sheriff's department on the chalkboard. And they have all the names co- connected, you know, to uh, to Bob. And, like, you know, at that point, um, Albert further connects the uh, the B in Renette's finger to Flesh World. Um, Albert really is the like the figure who actually makes any of this stuff move forward in a concrete way. Yeah, as like, he just, when he's not around, it's kind of just Cooper. I mean, Cooper's good at following leads, but with when Albert's sort of analysis stuff is not around, there's never actually any like hard conclusions that are pushed
0: forward. Yeah, I guess Albert was just like the cocaine in the motorcycle was Leo's. It was planted. The B is from mm-hmm. Flesh World. You were shot with a Walther PPK. Yeah, Also
1: you know, that's true. James Bond's <laughs> okay. gun. And he's so, he's so pleased about to, to know that fact.
0: I know, yeah. But it just, he outlines all that stuff. Whereas Cooper, Cooper's like, no, the giant was real. My ring is gone. And Albert's just like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, oh, also earlier... In relation to the dwarf. In relation to the dwarf, yeah. It's like, he it just, just Albert's just having none of it, while at the same time just dropping these huge, actual I mean, pieces guess, of forensic evidence. I guess
1: speaking of the uh, the difference in their style, like Albert has this, yeah, this very specific... Um, Or Very very conclusive, forensic style. Meanwhile, uh, Truman is like, these four names form a psychic link that will lead us right to Bob. Right.
0: (laughs) How? How will they do that? Oh, man. That's what Truman says? That's what Cooper says. No, that's what Cooper says. I I say Truman. Truman
1: Truman is just sort of sitting there. uh, Yeah, he's bemused. Well, until... Until uh, Until he's had enough. Yeah, he gets up in Albert's face, and uh, God, that whole speech that Albert gives Truman... About like following in the footsteps of Gandhi and King, and practicing like I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I love you, Sheriff Truman.
0: What does that mean? I don't know. He he also he puts on his sunglasses when he says "I love you, Sheriff Truman." It's like the most extreme version of the like CSI Miami sunglasses drop. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, I don't know. I, that I had forgotten that, that I remembered Albert having that element to himself, which I guess is kind of – I didn't really know what it meant. It felt to me like they were trying to give Albert a parallel to Cooper's Tibet stuff and they're just like, what if we make Albert a practitioner of nonviolence in addition to him just being the biggest asshole in the entire world?
1: Well, because he's able to use it in the most like weirdly needling way. I know. He just used – What do you say to that?
0: I love it, yeah. Because Truman's like, "I'm gonna punch you in the goddamn face," and then he's like, "Oh well, I practice nonviolence anyway." Goodbye. <laughs> Good, yeah. Also, wait he up.
1: just he just shoulders uh, James as he's leaving.
0: Yep. <laughs> just <laughs> he just reached maximum prick before he left the episode. I guess after mm-hmm. being just insufferable for the duration, yeah. but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, he uh, they run into James, who's cleared. Um they clear him from the, the cocaine thing. The cocaine thing, James. Who told you? Uh I we, <laughs> we don't we don't have to get it James quite yet, but, No. oh man. James. Um do you want to talk about Mike? Yeah, Mike. Mike, Mike. I mean this Mike. is just
1: we can just get through all the sheriff's department stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Um so Mike comes to finally uh sell his shoes, he sees Bob, freaks out, uh goes to the bathroom to inject himself with, I don't know with, what that is.
0: Oh, well, he just, he just, what is he? He tells Sheriff Truman that he has trouble concentrating sometimes and that he uh, he has medication yeah. that he has to use. Yeah, but he's injecting himself with something. But before he can, he starts going into convulsions and the camera sort of pans to leave the bathroom. And we see the hand creepily come out. Mm-hmm. And then Mike comes out basically a changed person saying, I yep. know you're near, I'm after you now. And he's acting yeah. way more like the Mike from... From Cooper's dream way early right. in season one, which is because I guess Mike is awakened now instead of whatever his name was, Gerard. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um. What do you, I mean,
1: this is an interesting thing because it's it's an acknowledgement that I mean, you know, Mike denied knowing Bob pretty consistently, and you kind of, I kind of get the sense that that was honest. Yeah, he just. I don't know. How about you?
0: It it feels like. Mike, well, Mike sees the picture of Bob, and that means something to him. And we don't know what that means because he's he's showing, you know, he's showing Truman the, sh- right. the shoes, pulls the shoe out of the way, sees the wanted poster, and that's what sort of starts the reaction in him. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also it just feels like people who are close to whatever's going on. Ha- There's a lot of people who have had reactions to Bob. They were writing those up on the on the um, on the board earlier because there was already Mrs. Palmer, Maddie Cooper, and Renette. Um then we've seen Mike has a crazy reaction to it. Leland also had a reaction to it which he tells the sheriffs about in this episode. But mm-hmm. it it definitely felt like um I mean we it, go from it just sorry, oh it, it just it does feel like he's totally unaware of the existence of Mike, the 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 aware sort of character who knows of Bob from Cooper's Dream, but that it it, it, it That happening at the same time as they're trying to figure out where the hell Bob is, I like the idea that these – the way that they sort of introduced that these characters of Mike and Bob could be hidden in plain sight inside of people who have no awareness of them.
1: Right. Yeah, for sure. And also in this episode, uh, this is the point where Cooper says, okay, these four people know about Bob. And then immediately in this episode, we – you know, he learns that there are two – Oh, no, he already knew that
0: Leland did, right? No,
1: he doesn't, because Leland tells him. Oh, no, him. he didn't. He came and tells him this time. Leland, so he, um, that number immediately for him goes from four to six.
0: Yes, because Leland comes in and tells them that he knows Bob. But Leland had only told uh, the horns that last episode. You're right, you're right, you're right. And you're that's right. what makes Cooper, uh, he says he knows Bob, but he uh, Leland was like, Robertson, Ro- Robert, and then Cooper's like, yeah, Robert, R-B-T. R-B-T. Okay, man, R-B-T him. is Robert, which is Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cooper, um, oh, then Leland also remembers... As a, when he was a kid, Bobby used to flip matches at him and say, "You want to play with fire, little boy?" While well, like mm-hmm. throwing matches at him. Then also, my
1: my favorite thing about that scene, despite all that sort of creepy stuff, is how incredibly pleased with himself Leland is to be helping out.
0: Oh, I know. Like, yeah, he,
1: he tells this thing, and then he's just like pleased as punch.
0: Well, yeah, just, it, like, it ends with Cooper saying, "That's our man," and Leland's just like chuffed. Uh, yep, he's he's so he's he's so proud. Yep, he's a proud man. Yep. Well, he uh, well at the same time he's just saying really unsettling big drops. Mm -hmm. I mean, we already, we're already aware that Bob is involved, but like the playing with fire thing coming in and then Leland just perfectly flips that match into the ashtray, surely contributing to his chuffed state. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, You want to keep moving down the hospital? Uh, uh, the hospital? Well,
1: I'm sorry, the investigation. Yeah. Cause, um,
0: let's see both those threads then come back because, um, Hawk comes back with Leland's story about Pearl Lake mm-hmm. and the house exists and is boarded up. They're checking the utility records and all this stuff to see if Bob was there. But that's kind of the end of that thread for now, mm-hmm. um, other than just confirming that that house existed and it was near the Palmer's house. Mm-hmm. Um, when that happens is when Cooper hears from Truman that Mike was there um, and they go and find that Mike has disappeared. All that's left is this vial, which confirms without chemicals he points, which was the third clue from the giant. that does.
1: I didn't really understand the connection there.
0: When Mike isn't taking his chemicals, he, uh, he turns into – or what's his name? The shoe salesman – I can't remember his name. Is it Gerard? Gerard. I think it's Garrard. Gerard. Yeah. When he stops <laughs> taking his chemicals, he points to where Mike is and to where Bob is. He How? Ch- he changes w- – when he's not under the influence of those drugs, Mike emerges and Mike says – I thought it's the opposite of that. That's why I was confused. No, it seems it's, like he – cl- with, Without chemicals, he points when, he, when he's – because he wasn't able to take the drug. He was, tr- oh, he was trying oh, to inject okay, himself in the right, leg okay, and fine, then his convulsions okay. got so heavy God that it, he – Never mind.
1: I didn't pick up on that Yeah. He, this,
0: he, he couldn't suppress Mike mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. he starts whatever he says. Okay. I know you're near. I'm okay. after you now. So, so yeah. No. Without chemicals, he points. Okay. Um, yeah, I had to watch that scene twice in the bathroom, actually, because I, when I first saw it, I saw the medicine and then I saw him start to shake. And I must have just blinked when he drops the when he drops the violin, isn't able to inject himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the end. That's all that we get out of. Uh, out of Mike. But then Cooper's Cooper and Truman being incredibly thrilled about Leland offering that bob tip kind of. Sours because they go and, uh, and uh, they go and follow up with Jacoby, who's awake in the in the most ridiculous. I know, incredible.
1: <laughs> He's in this like luau room. I love it. He has his wife
0: apparently. His wife like, uh, from his because he has a house in Honolulu apparently uh, on Kauai. Right, I guess <laughs> where she lives, not with him. Yeah, um, but I, it's implied that he. I, I imagine he does not actually spend as much time in Twin Peaks as one should if you're actually a practicing therapist <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably just in hawaii yeah. with his wife but she's yeah. there got a bunch of like f- just decorative nets and starfish and uh luau sounds like mm-hmm. oh man it's just he just moved all the cheesy crap from his office into his hospital room yeah but i guess he's agreed to go under hypnosis from cooper uh to try and bring back his memories of of uh the night that Jacques Renault was killed because I guess he was sharing a hospital room with him. I, t- I totally don't remember that, but yeah. Yeah. But hip well, I, he, yeah. Oh, well, cause he was there cause he had his heart attack mm-hmm. um, on the night that everyone was in the hospital. Um, right. Cooper uses a golf analogy. Yeah. This whole like <laughs> describing the <laughs> green scene
1: about like sinking the perfect putt basically yeah, I, on the seaside green.
0: I like that he's doing that to, to, to sort of calm Jacoby dad, but then he has to be like, <laughs> what is he just says, Harry? Cause like, <laughs> Truman starts also falling asleep from the golf analogy, I think. <laughs> uh, which is totally a goofy little Twin Peaks aside. Um, yeah. And then yeah, just...
1: We, we learn... I mean, presumably he fingers Leland.
0: Yeah, because he says... Um, they they, he he descri- they described the whole scene. He talks about the burnt engine oil thing. But is he saying that in reference to the park, the, the night of the heart attack? Or is he saying that in reference to the hotel room? Or the uh, hospital room? Because I I, I... I thought he was talking about the night that night. Yeah, I think so too, but I, I couldn't remember. But that's the second mention of mm-hmm. of burnt Burned engine oil. oil. Um, oh,
1: maybe not. Maybe it was the, the hospital.
0: Yeah, I totally can't remember. I, I In my notes, it was unclear. Um, yeah. But then he just, they get to he him remembering the sound of the pillow over Jacques. And they're like, do you remember who, it, do you know who it was? And he, he says that he looked up and then just says, I know him. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to shots of the woods and of an owl and a twin peaks transition. Yeah, um, That was
1: a really classic transition. Well, you get that. You get the, that was when they they the yellow to red stoplight, right? Uh, was well? that
0: maybe so. Yeah, I think so. Oh, maybe not. I think that was a little bit later or at a different time in the episode. Okay. My bad. I, I totally, I don't remember. My notes are all out of order. Um, where does that actually go?
1: Um, Oh yeah, no, it just sh- it, no, never mind. It fades to the shot of forest, then the owl, and then Laura's grave, and that's oh Donna's right, and then visit.
0: we're with Donna's visit to to Laura, which is a good transition. But yeah, yeah. um, back around yeah. to the to the end of this thread, though, this ends with presumably yeah, he fingers Leland because uh, way later in the episode, or not way later, but a bit later, Maddie and Leland are having that talk,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, where Maddie is just sort of unloading because of all the other. All of the other stupid teen relationship teen drama stuff, yeah. where she 's just like i 'm not laura people uh people keep mistaking me for her, but she 's like all that I know well, let 's back up let 's oh, back God. up and talk about the teen stuff because okay that 's true because these these all... threads sort of converge on that scene, I guess, so we should mm-hmm. just go get into the teens so this is definitely the like <laughs> trouble in
1: paradise episode episode of this stuff it's the um, like it's just
0: the episode where James I mean, and Maddie I, keep looking at each other and holding hands, and then Donna walks into the room and like, goes, oh, uh. "Oh, yeah." I know. Also, the most notable thing about this entire thread is, it feels like, well, the stupid song that they recorded last episode. I know. It keeps popping. It's up. the instrumental back into every single scene with these characters, and I know. It, it's it's like. Uh, Angela, we need a new love theme that is for this love triangle. I've got it. Let's have the characters recording it themselves in the last episode. <laughs> and then we'll introduce it on the jukebox. It's not a, literally on the jukebox, but it's introduced. But it sounds like the way that stuff is I know. played on... It yeah. cuts to the double R, and it's like, oh, <laughs> their song's already gone number one, apparently, and is uh, now in the double R jukebox. <laughs> like, maybe that's what that actually is. Maybe the double R jukebox is just the residents of Twin Peaks record demos... And then uh, Norma agrees to put them <laughs> in the jukebox. So
1: <laughs> that's yeah. actually entirely plausible. That's,
0: I'm sure that's what it is. So it turns out that earlier uh, Audrey was in jazz band and they played a little boo doo doo doo, and some kid did like a little boo doo 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 clarinet solo. And they're like, "Oh, that's <laughs> well, there's great." The way,
1: there's the way worse one with like the blah blah, just horrible synth horns. Yeah, <laughs> that are terrible. That was
0: Harold's previous, uh, before he was a horticulturalist, he just had a synthesizer. He had a Casio and a
1: four and a four track a Casio tone. And,
0: and yeah, that's that's also. It's just the residents of Twin Peaks just trying out uh, dipping their toe into various jazz tropes. I
1: can't. I can't wait till he gets the 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 version of the Casio keyboard that goes yeah uh huh yeah 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 <laughs> one two three four. Um, <laughs> All right! Twin <laughs> twin peaks twenty sixteen showtime.
0: Oh man. Uh that would be the special feature for that is just about Lamenti going, I have I have obtained new synthesizers. <laughs> <laughs> and David Lynch sitting next to him going, Oh awesome. Oh it's so great, Sounds Angelo.
1: perfect. Just keep playing Angelo. Keep doing it.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh when we 'll know that 's the case when twin Peaks twenty sixteen opens with uh a gong sound effect and then a shorter gong sound effect
1: <laughs> yeah. we'll know that they 've gone they've they 've dug deep and, into the heart of and K- then just like a four minute samba demo <laughs>
0: okay so this is the twin Peaks content that that people yeah, <laughs> d- d- <sorry>. demand. <laughs> they demand uh. Anyway, that Oh. So this, anyway, this this,
1: this, this, re- this all reflects my feelings about the the teen bullshit that these teens.
0: Yeah, that's are enjoying. <laughs> about how much I, how much I
1: synthesized uh, notes.
0: Oh, um I, I feel like we can go through this stuff. Further. Oh, actually
1: so, I do want to say I do want to make one I do want to say one thing about this. Okay. I really think the actress who plays Maddie is amazing. Yeah, um, she does a great job. She's so good compa- especially compared to James. Uh, when, when, uh, when she and James are in the diner initially and, um, you know, before Donna comes in, um, I'm trying to remember the, the exact, uh, um, oh yeah, no, I don't know what it was. It was when James's goofy guitar song comes on in the background and James is like, does Donna seem different to you? And she's like, oh, you know, maybe. And he's like, she came by the jail. She acted like she wanted to do, it with, do it, through it with the me? bars and Maddie's face just instantly like uh, goes from being sympathetic and understanding to being incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, She looks so distressed. Uh, meanwhile, they're holding hands. It's amazing. Like it's she, 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 nails it. It's incredible. God, it's forgot. so funny. To, it's such a good, just like sight gag to do it with me, to do it with me through the bars. I mean, do it. with. Okay. Me. So do it
0: to, to, to James's credit.
1: Do it do it. Do, 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 do it do it do it do it do it do it
0: do it yeah uh <laughs> to james's credit though that is an accurate and tonally correct summary of how donna was acting in that scene she was like if there was a, w- a way to describe the totally cheesy way that she was just like mushing her face and body into the bars it was that she wanted to do it <laughs>
1: that's true that's actually totally fair <laughs>
0: But also, yeah, um, and then yeah, there's songs on, and then he's. Sometimes I think I should just get on my bike and go. And Maddie's like, "No, don't." Oh, man, maybe he should. Yeah. And then if that's this is the beginning of times that Donna comes in and sees them together. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. It happens. It happens again inexplicably at the Palmers' house, yep. where she just shows up in the middle of the night.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> That scene is the best one because she just goes, uh, or whatever, runs out yeah. of the house, uh, jumps into the family minivan and just blasts down the street at like a million miles an hour as James <laughs> yeah. is screaming at her. Like, it's yeah, the most, it's the yeah. most intense. Well, he screams, why? Why? <laughs> yeah. It's the most, it's the most, it's the biggest uh, reaction you'll only, you'll get from James, I think probably in the entire series of Twin Peaks. And it's mm. also... Thirty times more intense than any other line he delivers in the entire show. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. in between him going. Yeah. Maybe I should get on my bike. Oh, my mom's back. I hate her. And why? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, Donna. Donna comes in, but it's because she was visiting. Uh, she was visiting Harold Smith. Which right. I guess there is sort of an intrigue arc in that because when Donna is going and visiting Harold. He he asks if she got his note or uh he asks about her note, implying that he's the one who sent the the Meals on Wheels mm-hmm. note to mm-hmm. her. Um and she's or he, he kind of has the he's he's incredibly kind. You know, he's the shut in mm-hmm. former horticulturalist who I guess is agoraphobic. Um mm-hmm. and but he's he's super nice to Donna, but it's also there's sort of this weird air of of really light creepiness because he knows he has the upper hand, basically entirely. He doesn't take right. advantage of that at no. all. But he's just like, "Oh, you're Donna. Oh, I know. He, I know everything that Laura's ever said about you." And he's kind of got that like slightly wry smile when he's like, "Don't be nervous, Donna." And she says, "I'm not nervous. Just curious." And he says, "Curious about my relationship with Laura." And then you know, but he he knows Laura's idioms uh, about Donna. Like he knows that right. He
1: he just he's he's weirdly able to kind of um, insert himself into their inside jokes in a way that obviously makes Donna. She's put, she's put off by it a little bit. Clearer, yeah. But, but
0: she's still also intrigued by, yeah, for by sure. This, because she didn't like,
1: realize that, that the, she, that she was so close to this person who she'd never heard of.
0: Yep. Yeah. just, he, he knows Laura in a way that only she does, but then also he probably knows her in ways that she doesn't, but are like more intimate versions of what seemed like the sort of conversations that she and Laura had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, like, so she's, and I think she's just sort of interested in him as a person. I mean, like, to a certain degree, who wouldn't be when you come across this guy in this weird, yeah, no, it's true. this weird, just like, his house is a greenhouse full of these rare and beautiful flowers and he give, gives her one to leave mm-hmm. for Laura. But then also she's obviously intrigued just because the thread of her investigation has panned out. Like, despite mm-hmm. despite her interest in him as a person, he's got that little envelope or whatever it was that she was... Tugging it for a second under the shelf right mm-hmm. um, and then and the, the episode uh, ends as she finds as she Morris finds diary. He, he's got he 's got like i guess is it is it a, is it a second like an additional, it a diary. additional diary that, than the one that she kept in her bed or mm-hmm. uh, bedpost or or just in her room that the mm-hmm. um, it 's also implied that maybe this is the mystery man maybe that, that Laura was talking about just because Harold actually says she called me her. Little mystery or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's just all all of that stuff. But within the within the confines of this episode, other than the discovery of the diary and the introduction of Harold, and just sort of it giving Donna another avenue to sort of be fleshed out as a as a character who has a bunch of different points of contact with the show, which I which I like because I think that mm. she was she was so much more one note in season one. For sure, this arc's primary existence. Uh, our primary purpose in this episode seems to be to give Donna a high horse to be on when blasting James about Maddie over the course of this stupid episode. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> when, she, when she sees them in the, in the double R, she just... Yeah,
1: she was like, oh, like I was... She's you like, know,
0: I was hanging out with someone who's, like, sophisticated and interesting bright, and intelligent, intelligent. unlike yeah. other people that I know, or whatever mm. she says. God. Yeah. And then James just... What does that mean? What just want to keep sitting there holding hands and figure it out, and then she leaves? Yeah. Like, oh, cool.
1: <laughs> God, <laughs> if that holding hands thing had happened one more time, I know would
0: have it would have it would have crossed over to being great. I think. Yes, I agree. Um, but uh, yeah. So Donna, she. I mean this this all leads to.
1: Um, I mean, this backing up a little bit, but this leads to. Uh, Donna going to Laura's grave. This is in between her two visits to Harold's I thought that scene um, was
0: was was actually really good. Donna, I did to too. Laura.
1: I I agree. I thought it was really good. I mean, she just lays bare all of these conflicting emotions she has about Laura. And I mean, the thing that that you know, I mean, she she says all kinds of stuff that we've mainly heard from her before. But the thing that's that's t- totally true is like, you know, she. She tells Laura you're dead and we're still trying to solve your problems. Yeah. It was, you it's know, it's she, like she ex- they didn't bury you deep enough.
0: Yeah. Ex- externalizing the weird sort of tension between her and James and Laura worked when Laura was the glue between the entire thing. And that's totally, mm-hmm. totally gone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, just ending with they didn't bury you deep enough. It, it, was, it was good. Yeah. Uh, I like that she opened that whole conversation by sort of in a bemused way asking Laura, asking Laura's grave if she was sleeping with Harold or what. Like, are you... Are you, are you, are you right, I know. Just like going from that all the way sort of through her unpacking it down to her scream crying, they didn't bury mm-hmm. you deep enough. It was mm-hmm. good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about Lucy and Dick, the dumbest thing? Uh, I don't know if it's the dumbest thing or not, but...
0: It's... F- <laughs> It's it's nothing, man. It's
1: just nothing. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. how I feel about it. Like I don't really. This character is not funny to me. No, he's like he's. They don't. They don't commit to. Like I don't know what he's supposed to be. He's got that kind of transatlantic. I mean, he's trying to have kind of that transatlantic kind of Cary Grant accent, right? Where he's it's right. not. It's 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 not really an English accent, but it has that slight affectation.
0: Yeah, um, it, but it's 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 almost like the modern version of like a like gentleman scoundrel hobo archetype from like the like like that you'd find in a in a classic hollywood movie but it's way cheesier than that where it's like the guy who dresses really nice I just and, don't and, think
1: it's that well defined no but I,
0: well yeah. i know but yeah it, it, yeah he's just he's, he's he's a guy who seems like he's trying to who who thinks himself a big fish in a small pond of twin peaks right but it's a total cheap ass but he's just a total cheap guy who happens to work in the department store so he has nice suits right and yeah. can and can affect You'll notice that I didn't change ha- the hands of my fork and knife. Do you mm-hmm. find that odd? It's the European way.
1: <laughs> it's the European. It isn't odd. It's the, it's European, the European way.
0: way. <laughs> when he mentions that he doesn't change his hands, Lucy's like, "My mom calls that piling." Yeah, I know. I never heard that before. <laughs> I thought that was really good, though. <laughs> the, 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 the reminder of it. The thing that's just, actually I in guess, some in some households, okay. that's just shoveling meat into your face. That's not. Right. Uh, that's not perceived as this remotely classy.
1: I guess the one thing that I that is valuable about this scene for me, or, or this dumb little thing, is that I feel like Lucy gets a few good jabs in, which is I don't know. It's nice for her character. Oh um, yeah. I like, mean the, the piling thing is good, and then and just, I feel like she has one other. Oh, it's
0: because he's like, I told you I'd get you a dress with my twenty percent employee discount, and she was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. How about a maternity dress? Yeah, and then right? and then him just in total classless oh preggers huh like oh right. oh god (laughs) I know yeah 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 Lucy that that actress yelling a maternity dress in her Mm -hmm. just like ultimate Lucy
1: whoa sorry the other the other good the other good singer I like that that had was uh, she's like, it's been six weeks. You said you were going to call. Dick's like, oh, I lost your number. And she says, I work for the sheriff's department. You could have called 911. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. That was good. That was really good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Lucy clearly was taken by this guy and kind of wants wants him to be yeah, the person that he, up, that he says that he was once, but, he will, but he's, he's an idiot. He's dropping the yeah. ball 100%, and she's just basically stepping on him forever, although she's holding on, I guess, because he could be the dad of her kid. Right. Soap opera time. Um, yep. I mean, I guess we can touch on the other little dots of this stuff that happened in this episode, although there's not a lot to I say. I
1: don't care, really. Okay. I mean, there's, I don't know, there's... There's. Um, Cooper knows there's the... that it's
0: insurance fraud with Leo. Ta-da! Uh, oh, that's, yeah, right, okay. Yeah. And uh, Ed sings on top of Old Smokey to Nadine, and then she rips out of her restraints. Apparently she has super strength, I guess. Yeah. And she's <laughs> that regressed that to being like, a cheerleader, like, what is... Oh, right. my God. that
1: scene was simultaneously, like... Incredibly touching and just the most gonzo bonkers thing, oh yeah Imag- like I actually thought it was really nice when Ed sings on top of Old smoke. he doesn't know what song to sing, so I he know. Just sings like the quaintest, most provincial song imaginable, but he has this really kind of nice voice with like this little vibrato
0: it's like really yep. sweet, and then he and uh, he awakens you know, he awakens the the dumbest garbage that he could yeah, he, it, the thing that he was not expecting was that he would awaken uh. A seventeen-year-old Nadine who can rip through leather wrist restraints and chains, and then start calling him Eddie and talk about cheerleading practice.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: so weird.
1: Anyway, that this keeps going for a while. FYI.
0: Yeah, get ready for that. Get ready for the insurance fraud and Nadine super strength to exist, and right. Richard, aka Dick Tremaine, to exist. Like, <laughs> those, that that condensed stuff plus the. The little bit of James starting to talk about his mom, man. There's-,
1: There's also a great moment. This is another, well, let's talk about Audrey, I guess. Um, so she's being, video, you know, she's, she's being pre- planned to be ransomed, basically. This is super fucked up because, yep. they're, because they're going to basically get her addicted, right? And then that's, the, that's what they're doing here?
0: It seems like the intent is to have her be strung out on coke.
1: Yeah, and then and then ransom her to Ben Horn. And then ransom
0: her to Ben Horn. And then, yeah, so the, the man And the
1: really fucked up thing about this is that Blackie implies that Ben Horn did the same thing to her.
0: Yes. I think that so, is so. So Ben
1: Horn is like way more of a disgusting sleaze than he even was already. Yeah, because the
0: Horns were withholding apparent. and then offering her drugs last episode, two episodes ago. Yeah. Um,. Oh, that's
1: true, I guess that's just what she's referring to
0: yeah, but uh then they which is which is quite disgusting <laughs> yeah everything in, involving one eye jacks is not it's not ever really played for how occasionally it's played for how how screwed up it is, but it is every single thing involving this thread is just kind of disastrous all the time um the man and
1: then, uh, speaking of Ben horn being a sleaze when Cooper goes and tells him about this like. Or, or doesn't tell him about this. He specifically, says but ben, sort of- ben
0: asks him, and then he says, "Oh, I got a call from Audrey. She said I saw you in your tuxedo." And then Cooper doesn't make the connection to Audrey being at One Eyed Jacks because presumably because that's preposterous to him. It doesn't even enter his mind. He just says, "Oh, I was wearing my tuxedo when I was when I got shot in your hotel." Right. Which is a pretty fair thing to mention. Like, by the way, <laughs> uh, I was shot in your hotel. That's glazed over because Ben is just Ben Horn <laughs> is true. just like he he basically he implies that Cooper is concerned beyond a level of pure professionalism that he has a personal interest in the safety of Audrey. And then is like, you better back off because, Mm -hmm. because don't mess with, but he's not, but he's
1: not saying it out of either a father's concern or to, or out of a collegial concern.
0: No, he's just like people who mess with my daughter kind of get burned is basically what he said. Right. Yeah. But
1: he doesn't like, but he has no like actual regard for Cooper or Audrey, at least not in the, not in that moment.
0: It seemed more. Just I mean, like, he's just it being seemed big like, cigar chomping. Is he more like he was just saying that girl's trouble? Who is my daughter? Yeah. Um, but then whatever he was like, if she when she comes home to roost, I'll let you. You'll be the first one to know. Which was sort of like uh, both said on the on the on the surface to an outsider, it is professional courtesy as the FBI agent in town. But it's more just like uh, there's a Ben Horn cigar waggle in that remark for sure. Yeah. Just what a what a cool guy Ben Horn is.
1: Speaking of speaking of the Great Northern, actually, when Cooper arrives there, there's this amazing moment where the elevator opens and like half of a marching band walks out of it.
0: Yeah, that was I guess when to to the point was it just last week that the barbershop quartet was there? I think so. So that this this feels to me like last time when they had the barbershop quartet there, I was like, okay, this is just we've reached the point where this is just a stupid gag. I guess that the Great Northern just houses weirdos all the time because like it had the the just completely outrageous various Scandinavian people in it. And then uh, it just it always feels like there's something there. But then once they had the Barbershop Quartet in last week, now they're like... Okay, whatever. Whenever we're we Yeah, you know, whenever anyone's in the Great Northern, just have some stupid thing going on in the background. It's Twin yeah. Peaks it's fine. I'm fine with that. It's fine. But yeah, the the half the marching band and like cheerleader group comes out and then the guy with the newspaper watching Cooper who leaves. Like what a what a wacky place full of crazy things <laughs> that that lobby is. Um and then, meanwhile, the that the mysterious guy
1: who called Josie that one time—yeah, he's also is in still there, there sneaking my the newspaper—and like, then like trailing Cooper.
0: Yep. Um, but I guess their plan with Audrey, because the manager um, from Horn's Department Store, whose name I still didn't bother to look up, which is terrible. Ever, Whatever, yeah. bald manager guy. He's like, "Oh, my job's in danger." Oh, and then Blackie says, "You're way over your head. Beyond that, at this point, if this goes south, but then I guess." We're introduced to Jean Renault, who is Jacques Mm -hmm, Renault's third
1: Renault brother.
0: Is that the third one? Because there's also Bernard, right? Oh yeah, that's right. And yeah, Um, he is—he is, I guess, revealed in true form to be a Renault, though. Because although he's—he's like the classy, (laughs) high-end Renault brother, I guess. Yeah, but
1: still a total sadist weirdo.
0: (laughs) Because he's—he's tying up Audrey, uh, or no, he's—he's—he fed Audrey a caramel. Which was gross, yeah. but then, um, which he then put in his own mouth, I think. I, I know he hands it to someone else, but he, he maybe he does, but he can't, he can't resist saying "baby" in the middle of a sentence, then saying <laughs> "candy is dandy," yeah. Like there's right. more where that came from. Oh man, what a, like, yep. <laughs> I guess I guess they have to write Runs these to the guys as having s- sleazy bad. I guess, French-Canadian accents and then saying mm-hmm. baby and then saying, bite the bullet or candy is dandy. <laughs> this lascivious voice. voice. But I guess his involvement is he's going to take a cut from whatever the ransom money is. and he, he wants Cooper. And he wants Cooper, but he also is offering to be the face between Blackie and the manager mm-hmm. so that Ben Horn will have no idea that the, yeah. the one I Jacks is involved. Although the moment that... Oh, well, I guess then... The moment that Audrey would have been returned to Ben, all would be revealed, but then uh, Jean Renaud says, so I guess we can't really let her live now, can we? So right. I guess yep. Yep. it seems like the plan is to videotape Audrey, then release tapes, even though she's dead. I don't, well, I guess we'll, we'll find, I don't remember, I don't remember where yeah. this arc goes, where this new wacky conspiracy arc goes, but... I don't remember really. Either. I don't remember. It goes somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about what else is left. I feel like... Um, the thing that we didn't talk about, although it's not the end of the episode, is sort of the the real hefty convergence of, of the love quadrangle arc and sort of Leland injecting himself into the Bob and Mike stuff is that scene. Um, is that start with James talking to Maddie or is that a separate scene? Are you talking
1: about the scene where Maddie and Leland are together?
0: Yeah, I think that's separate. Oh, no, is it? Does James uh, run out into the street screaming "Why, why, why?" and then Maddie and Leland are left together in the house, or are those separate? I totally don't remember. Actually, oh, I can't remember either. Man, I'm, I'm looking.
1: No, you know what? Uh, those are separate because uh, Maddie's with Leland, and and she's you know saying all I did was come to a funeral. It's like a oh no, that is green. it is all the same and scene then-
0: because. It has James. No, be, to, no, it's not. James talks we, to Maddie. He's talking about uh, his how his mom's come home and then they they hug. Yeah, but then, Donna there's comes a, but home. then
1: there's a cut to the stop. The it cuts to the stoplight.
0: Oh, right. And then it's in a different house. It's sort of the end of that scene. James says why mm-hmm. the stoplight turns red. Then mm-hmm. it cuts to to, Maddie's, to the Palmer House. So the, Maddie's back at the Palmer House. Was that, I thought the mm-hmm. other scene was in the Palmer House with Donna when oh, Donna guess, comes. I guess home. it is because then just it's,
1: read like different. Season.
0: I think that it's probably just Maddie's been sitting for a bit because Do- James and Maddie are are having to talk about James's mom. Then Donna comes and sees them together. She drives away. Then James, I guess, runs out into the street chasing her and just leaves and leaves mm-hmm. Maddie alone, which is why. And
1: I mean, that's one of the things that is like that's that all is piles up, and that's why Maddie's feeling so bummed about all this.
0: Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Then, 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 then it, we see the stop. And then that turns.
1: ends with with Leland getting arrested.
0: Yeah, yeah, because. Maddie says, all I know is Laura was my cousin and I loved her and she died. And then Leland sounds like he's agreeing with her. But then it seems like what he's, he's really actually off in his own world because, because he's like, he says, we just want things to be back the way they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maddie agrees. But
1: well, Leland says, if life could only be like those summers up. At
0: yeah. But then Leland isn't talking about Laura still being alive as much as he's, like, he's, he's just he's talking about when he was a kid. He's way off to being back when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Truman and Cooper come in because the door was open, and they just say leland you 're arrested for the murder of Jacques um, and Leland reacts, but it 's kind of it seems like he kind of knew that that was going to happen eventually i don 't know yeah. Um, yeah and yeah, then the the end is the end is as
1: Donna finding the diary, yeah, um which is the next scene,
0: yeah, uh, which we talked about, but uh mm-hmm. Huh? What a, a a Twin Peaks episode, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, that's probably about all I have.
0: Yeah, same. I'm trying to think if there's any other business going on.
1: Do we have any reader mail for this week? Um, I have to kind of cut this short because I'm already I'm already overstaying my okay my um, time away here to
0: do this. That's but, fine. You know, I guess this is then yeah. the first episode where we don't have any spoiler stuff. No,
1: we've we've done at least one other where we didn't.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Um, I had some stuff, but I can actually save it for a future episode. Um. Do you want to just note it down? Ah, it's fine. I'll remember it.
1: Well, thanks for listening yeah, to thanks. Twin Peaks Rewatch. I <laughs> hope the audio quality was okay. Uh, if not, I, I really apologize. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Peaks Rewatch, on Facebook at facebook.com slash TwinPeaksRewatch. Our website is TwinPeaksRewatch.com, and you can send us email about this episode, if you like, or the following episode, episode 12, uh, at TwinPeaks at IdleThumbs.net. If you like the show... Tell a friend uh, and also consider rating us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate
0: it. Yeah. So thank you for listening to our (laughs) mid-season Twin Peaks rewatch episode for a mid-season episode of Twin Peaks.
1: Also, we're considering maybe um, for some of these deep season two episodes, condensing them down to two episodes per podcast. If you have any thoughts on that, shoot us an email. Tell us what you think. For people who have watched the show before and have, yeah, I about, think you know where the arc. We're
0: goes. still a little ways away from doing that, but this is a mm-hmm. 22 episode season, and mm-hmm. uh, it the pace of the show definitely slows down in the in the middle of this season. So if yeah, let us know what you think about that. We're, it's something we're considering. Um, we're not entirely sure about it, but we'll sort of keep stewing on it. Yeah. All uh, right. Cool. Thanks, everyone. See you guys next week. We will see you next week. And Happy New Year. Bye.